Welcome to The Lansing. I'm Lucy Solis, and this is a program dedicated to the people of our city. I wanted to create a place for us to have authentic conversations about the inspired stories, opportunities, and resources available right here in our town. As someone who has spent a portion of my life in poverty, I was able to change my trajectory through the help and the resources available right here in our community. I am proof that when we unify, our city and its people can rise together. Greetings, Capital City. This is Lucy with the Lansing. And today in the studio, we have Augie Martinez, the manager for the City of Lansing's 311 Center. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Let's just dive right into it. So tell me a little bit about 311 and what it is. So 311 is a service-based call center for um, City of Lansing residents. Anywhere in the city limits, if you have a question or a concern or you need to report a problem around the city, you can dial 311 from any phone and you'll get one of our agents and they'll be able to take the information, get stuff reported or submitted, or help you find the office that you're trying to, to contact. This is outside of 911, so this doesn't replace 911. If anybody has an emergency, they should please dial 911. Or 211. Or 211, yeah, mm-hmm. for, for like um, social, services. Uh, social services and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yep, those are still in existence. This is going to be everything in between. For example, uh, right now, potholes obviously is a, is a big it's a deal. big one, yeah. Yep, yeah, so we can uh, take those calls, get those work orders put in, read to the system, and get it addressed so that a caller doesn't really have to worry about it anymore after that. Mm-hmm. Really, the biggest thing for 311 was to kind of bridge the gap between the residents having an issue and not necessarily knowing like exactly who to speak to in order to get that resolved. A lot of times, people would just dial a number and hopefully try to figure out who it is they need to talk to. Oh, absolutely. I've been guilty of that. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't know who to call. You're just like, I know there's an issue. And it's still, I mean, there are still times where we get stuff and it's like, we want to, you know, figure out exactly who that falls under, whether it be, you know, one department or another or one, you know, service area or another. But it's something that we take the responsibility for and kind of take that off the residence plate. One call to city hall, right? One call to city hall. (laughs) That's that's our time. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) And really what what it does is just kind of takes out that layer of like, is this the right place or do I have to retell my story three times until I get to the right person or I'm going to have to leave a voicemail and somebody's going to get back with me at some point and then they're going to tell me, oh, that actually has to go, you know, somewhere else. Eliminating all that, you call 311 and we got you. Whether that means we're going to be able to take the information directly and input it into one of our partnered departments Mm -hmm. that we've already brought under our umbrella or move you to the place that we know you need to go to not hey let's let's you know try this and see you know if if that's where you need to go more of like no no we know that this is who who handles this or we're going to take the time to figure that out before we let you go right so tell me some of the services like what are the most common calls you get it goes in waves kind Mm -hmm. of with almost with the seasons oh that's Um, right now we're, we're in prime tax time so people are trying to get their taxes in. And we do partner with the Income Tax and Treasury Department. Awesome. So anyone who wants to call Income Tax and Treasury right now, their calls come directly to our six agents that we have um, answering phones. And we've done some training and we do partnership knowledge-based articles in order to be able to field sort of like those frontline questions. Mm-hmm. What I like to tell people is like we serve as like your front counter person, but over the phone. Any of that beginning type stuff, um, general questions, things like that are things that we'll be able to handle right on that phone call. Mm-hmm. And then um, if there's something that is requires a little bit more detail or maybe a approval or an exception, then we can escalate those things on. But right now, tax time is a big one. 
whether somebody submitted it and they want to know, did you guys receive it or is it done yet? Or, right. you know, questions like that. Another one with us just kind of getting over winter time. Now is the time for when the snow melts. Obviously, the potholes are going to be in full bloom. Mm-hmm. We partner with our public service department as well so we can get those requests put in right away and someone can come out and assess and, and try to fix and repair whatever they can. Right now, another thing that comes to our office a lot is trash. In the wintertime, you know, a lot of it's covered by snow. Mm-hmm. And so then when the snow melts, it's like, oh, wow, like all of this stuff kind of built up, you know, over the winter. And so we do partner with our neighborhoods department as well. We're actually under the umbrella of, of the neighborhoods department, too. So it's kind of a, a easy partnership there. They do like, you know, they arrange neighborhood cleanups with civic organizations and they offer like help, but even clean up with, with grants programs that are available for civic organizations as well. So it's really just kind of connecting people with those services or with who might be um the right place for them to get help. Okay, so just to go back a little bit and piggyback. So when you're talking about taxes, Jane Doe calls and said, I submitted my city taxes three weeks ago. Do you have access to tell them if the city's received them? The way that it works is each department's a little bit different depending on like our level of training with them. Mm -hmm. uh, We'll determine like how much access we have in their department and also like things like confidentiality and stuff like that come into play. So right now we are at the place where all of our agents do not yet have access to like the city tax system. Mm-hmm. I do, and I'm mm-hmm. developing a training for our agents to be able to go through that and then eventually roll out access to the rest of the agents. Mm-hmm. So when I'm there, I can look that stuff up for some folks, but we're in the process of kind of expanding the partnership with the treasury um, yeah. just because it's such a, a big area and there's so many nuances to it as well. And yeah. so we really try to be very careful with like where the line is of things that a 311 agent would be able to answer for a person and then mm-hmm. where that needs to be escalated on to someone in the department. The good thing is that like this is our program. 311 is our concept. And so we can always move that line. We can always adjust it and say, OK, we think we can go a little bit further with this and, and help, you know, with maybe a repeat type question that we're getting in the departments like, yeah, like we'll give you access to that. Mm-hmm. Or on the flip side of it, we get to a place where it's like oh, there's a lot of nuances built into these types of questions. Maybe it's better if we don't cross that line and let someone in the department handle it who can maybe give a little bit more insight or has more access than we maybe do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're serving the residents better because we're not going to be giving them information that could potentially change based on their specific circumstances. Right. And so with each department, I work directly with the stakeholders and the subject matter experts involved. And we meet every couple of weeks just to see like where that line is. How's it going? Are there things that we could be expanding on or are there things that maybe we need to follow back up on and say, you know what, this might be something that's a little bit more appropriate for us to handle, Mm -hmm. us being the the partnering department. I really enjoy that part of it because Mm -hmm. I think it provides some comfort not only on our end, but also on the department's end of like, there's no like bulldozing us. If you want us to have less access, we're fine with that. If you want us to have more access, we're fine with that. At the end of the day, our goal along with the department's goal is that we're giving residents what they need mm-hmm. in a timely manner and also that we're not like getting in an area where we might be giving out information that could potentially change for a resident. Like, Right. You don't want to tell them something and then next month it's something different. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so and, and, and I really like that. Like we can always move right. the line and do those things. So, yeah. So I had the opportunity to visit the call center, which is amazing. Let's talk a little bit about the agents, which you have six of them. Correct. Yep. 
what I was impressed with, with my background with language services, is you have agents that speak different languages. Yes. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Hansing is definitely a diverse community and we were able to, we were really lucky to get um, a couple of Spanish speaking agents. And so folks can call and get services in Spanish. We're always looking to expand upon that. Mm-hmm. Um, if need be, we can use like a, a language service provider for other stuff, but we do have two Spanish speakers in the house as well who can help. And the really cool thing that we didn't really even foresee as being something that would be utilized as much as it has is not just people calling us, but people calling other departments and no one in that department speaking Spanish. So then, you know, a department will, would potentially call us and say, would one of your agents be able to, you know, help with uh, with this information? That's and, great. And, uh, yeah. It's just know, helping the city. Exactly. And the demographic of folks who like are in need of something like that, like they really come in at a disadvantage because all of the communication that they get is in English. Exactly. They're a vulnerable population. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so really like them understanding like what's at stake, what's being asked and more importantly, like what's not at stake. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we get a lot of instances where folks who are calling who don't understand something. I mean, to them, getting a letter from the city is like a red alert. I mean, right. it's like alarms up. I don't know what to do and I, and I don't know who to trust. And so we really, you know, take our time with them. We make sure that all of their questions are answered. We advocate for them the best we can. I mean, we'll go, we'll go as far as to even like help them with things that maybe they didn't exactly call for, but we know they're going to need help with that. We know that they're going to have those questions. And so we really try to like anticipate, make sure that they know when they call, like one of the agents is going to be there to assist and also help them with like any follow-ups that they might need. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the really cool things that I like about our 311 centers, we are not focused on volume. Like we're not mm-hmm. focused on like, you need to answer this many calls per day, or you need to, you know, have your call average time needs to be less or anything like that. I mean, at this point, our whole goal is to just be a help, a help Absolutely. to the residents and a help to the departments that we partner with. Mm-hmm. And if that means being on the phone for three or four or five, 10 minutes with a person, then that's what that means. That's fantastic. There's been a few times where conversations get into the 20 and 25 minute range. But, you know, when somebody wants to vent or has, you know, a frustration or just as a talkative person, like we're there to. And you're making it better. Yeah. The situation yeah. better. Yeah, that's really it, right. you know. I want to talk a little bit about the document and the tracking system. I thought that was really neat because I have called um, certain organizations or businesses and, well, I spoke to this person, you know, a week ago and they told me this and now I'm call- and then they don't have any notes or they don't have any proof that I called. And so I was really impressed with the documentation and the tracking system. So I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so our system is really comprehensive and it ties directly in with utility billing and, and border water and light at the city. And so what we have is, is just a really large database of folks who call in and our system will keep track of every interaction with them. They called, our agents will know anytime that somebody, what they said, what happened, if a call needed to be escalated to a department, let's say if you know the question maybe went over that line and we needed somebody else to, uh, to look into something, we can backtrack all of that information. When somebody calls, their information pops up on our screen. We can see how many times they've already called. We can see the dates that that happened, what happened on that phone call, resolutions that, you know, might've been, or things that are still in process. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like a, another part of that partnership with the departments where like when we do escalate, like they access our system as well 
and are able to like put in notes and say oh, for updates. Yeah. Like here's what was done. Mm-hmm. Or here's where this is at. It's still pending or it's been taken care of, or we left a message or we tried to leave a message and the mailbox was full. So if this person calls back, here's what we need to tell them, um, that kind of stuff. And also it, it's it tied right to our phone system as well. So our CRM system that we have is Microsoft dynamics type system. And we have the phone system is tied directly to it. So trying to minimize the the screen flipping for the agents mm-hmm. they're working in already enough programs and so we try to utilize something that is both comprehensive on the customer side but also pretty user friendly on our side as well so we're able to look stuff up we're able to track stuff down sometimes when you know when folks call it, it, it might be a matter of like you know what let me put you on hold or let me call you right back and, and i'll look i'll look into that we very much pride ourselves on though we will answer the phone we will call you back we, we are not going to blow you off and you know not answer your question anytime that there's a question in there that comes into our office if it's not handled on that phone call we will be following up with you that that's That's, a guarantee okay so let's say i called and i had an issue and then i needed some follow-up do you give a reference number what i call with my name and address i mean how do you how, how does that part work on the internal side we wouldn't need any kind of a reference number because as soon as you call your information is going to pop up. If you call from a different phone number. Oh, so it comes up by phone number. Comes up right, right by okay, phone Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Now, let's say you call from a work phone or a different phone. Then right. we could look you up then. Okay. Can, and it's because it's completely searchable by name, number. It's kind of like a drill down system. So once we, we have the information about you, then we can look into your case, see what happened with that case, see where it's at, maybe do a follow up with the department and say, such and such called and, and you know, Lucy called about this issue and we're just wondering where it's at. And then we would then follow back up with you and say, okay, we spoke to, you know, XYZ person at the department. Here's where your, your concern or your question is. We would kind of be able to bridge that gap and not necessarily require the department to do it. Some departments do. They'll say, they'll be like, well, we'll call them back. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, 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 uh, we'll follow up with them. If not, then, then we, uh, we definitely follow up with callers once, uh, once we have more information if they need it. That's awesome. Okay. So does 311, is that interlinked with Lansing Connect? Do they work together or so are they separate? They are they are two separate systems. Okay. However, everything that you can do on Lansing Connect, we can offer help with on 311 as well. Um we've gone as far as to put in Lansing Connect cases for people if they okay. like if somebody's like you know, I don't know how to use a computer. Or I don't have a computer at home, but I have this problem still. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to submit it on Lansing Connect. We'll pull up Lansing Connect for a person and put that information in for them. With the departments that we do partner with, we're mm-hmm. also able to take a look at work requests that have gone in. For example, well, we had one a little while back where a part of the Riverwalk had a piece of metal that had been bent up, I think by a snowplow maybe or something, mm-hmm. and um, it needed to be repaired. And we were able to you know, get it submitted. We also noticed someone had submitted it on Lansing Connect already. And so we were able to kind of like, when that person called back, we're like, oh yeah, you know, we can see that it's been submitted already. We contact the department, let them know like, hey, this could be kind of dangerous. So they'll get somebody out there and, you know, we're able to follow up with the person. So we can interact a little bit on the backside to see what has been submitted with the Mm -hmm. departments that we partner with. But on the front side, even if uh, we haven't yet partnered with them, we can definitely like submit something for a person if they wanted us to. The only difference is that when a resident submits something on the Lansing Connect app, they can actually upload like videos and pictures of what they're talking talking about mm-hmm. because we're, you know, in the phone in the phone center, we right. don't really have the, the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh we can, you know, put in the the verbiage that somebody might want us to. And I think sometimes that helps people. They'll just be like, it's done. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I called about it, it was submitted, it's done. And now I can go out about my day. <laughs> like I don't right. have to, you know, keep wondering if that's gonna get taken care of. We definitely will work in the Lansing Connect system. And mm-hmm. but if somebody's, you know, not comfortable with that or doesn't want to use it or they don't have the opportunity, the person that called us 
for the Riverwalk uh, issue was riding a bike. And was like, I'm just riding my bike. You know, I just wanted to let somebody know. And so we were able to, you know, get that put in and, and get it taken care of without them having to really fuss about it any further. So, app. so it's just giving residents two options. They can use the app or they can call 311. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay, that's awesome. You guys are the one call to City Hall. You have six agents, Spanish-speaking yep. interpreters if needed. You track all the documentation for follow-up. Absolutely. What are your hours? So we're 8 to 5, Monday mm-hmm. through Friday. Mm-hmm. We do adjust occasionally for um, big events, like for the election. We adjusted our hours so that we could support the clerk's office. We partner with the clerk's office. So like when folks, especially this past election, we had the redistricting that happened. Mm-hmm. So lots of people had new polling locations. And so we um, partnered with them to get access so that we could look up that information for callers. That's awesome. Um, and it worked out really well. Yeah. The reason why it, that that particular worked out really well. And the reason why is because what traditionally would happen is like the clerk's office would not only be working with their polling locations to make sure they had what they need, but then they'd also be getting all those phone calls of people who are like, where's my new polling location? Like, where do I, I'm at the place I always go to. And there's a letter up that says it's no longer here. Where do I go? It's important that they get in and they have a limited time, especially if like they had to work that day or, you know, something of that nature. So it was a really good, I think, opportunity to show the benefits of having like six other people just answering those questions for you. And then the folks in the clerk's office could really focus on making sure the polling places had right. what they needed, that they weren't you know overwhelmed with like, oh, we got to get somebody out there. We got to you know handle this. And we have, you know, a thousand people calling us to figure out where their new polling location might be. And so th- that was that was a really, a really cool benefit of extending our hours to help um, a department. How did they get the word out for folks who had questions about their new polling location to call 311? There hasn't been a lot of word specifically about who we're partnered with just yet. Okay. Um, the way that 311 really works is we're not looking to like take over any one department. What we kind of do is we just sort of start to siphon off their phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we really like to do a soft launch with every department when we partner with them okay. um, to make sure that like we're understanding what's coming in. We have our hands around it. And then we open up a little bit more of the floodgates as we go so that way we, we know that we can handle the volume. And also we our knowledge-based articles that we utilize are on the money for what we need to be communicating with folks. Mm-hmm. There has been advertisements about 311 being out there, mm-hmm. but a lot of times people are still calling the numbers to the departments and we've just adopted those numbers as sort of the first echelon of service. Um, so when people call, they will say, oh, I called the clerk's office. I don't know why I'm talking to 311. And it's like, oh yeah, we, we'll take their initial calls. Oh, and, okay. and we let them know that. So you do the know. intake part and then, yep, yep. And then transfer them of, if needed. Yeah, we okay. assess and it, that's something that either we can handle or we say, oh yeah, l- let us get you over there or let us create a case so someone can get back with you based on what your, um, your, your initial question is. And that's really where our agents the continual training and understanding what we handle versus what we don't handle. Oh, I bet. It really is a, it's, sure. it's a really big part. Um, and we're learning every day. So, t- so tell me a little bit, though, about your call volume. We will pass this week 25,000 phone calls for the city. I take that back. We will pass 30,000 phone calls for the city since we launched last May. Wow. And that's right on the money with what we had predicted about 36,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty close to on the money with what will be. We do about 1,000 calls a week. And that that does fluctuate depending on the, the season. Uh, certain times it's nonstop. And other times, like right before like the, the, the Christmas holiday, we get a lot of like a bit of a lull in business. But other times when there's something big going on. Um, we definitely will see the call volume. We'll see, you know, even the messages because people can 
if they call on off hours, they can still leave a message and we'll get back with them as soon as we open back up. I was just going to ask that. Yep. So that's good. So people can leave a message they there. They can. Yep, yes, yeah. And as soon awesome. as the agents come in in the morning, they field all those before uh, or as they like if, if they, they come in, they turn on their phone system. Once they turn on their phone system, if no calls are in the queue for people to need to be answered, they will automatically get the voicemails and go through those, call people back and report things that may have been needed to be reported. Sometimes our voicemails don't necessarily need a call back. Somebody's just like, I just want to report a pothole at this address, then, you know, they can just put it in and don't have to worry about giving a call back. But if somebody requests it, then they'll look into it and call them back with uh, with whatever information that they might need. So, but, um, but the ebbs and flow, um, we, we are still figuring that out a little bit just mm-hmm. because it changes with each department season. Mm-hmm. And it also changes with, as we bring on new departments. So like obviously tax and treasury is the big time or when people are doing the income taxes and then mm-hmm. property taxes. But that changes with the assessing department. Their big time is like right before the March board of review. And they get this big push of, of phone calls for folks looking for pretty much the same answer to questions on what they need to do. Just kind of understanding how that works. And each year, like preparing for those calls is is uh, is kind of how we keep track of like, here's, here's our busy time. Here's kind of our lull, you know, in, in time. So um, right now, though, we haven't been overwhelmed. I mean, we're, we're at a place where wait times usually have been under three minutes Um, and we do really good yeah and we do have a callback system as well so if you're if you're in the queue wait in line yeah that's awesome i love that it's really i I think it's a good benefit because like if you're in the queue for a great feature yeah then you just Mm -hmm. push a button and we'll call and and it's not like a oh man i'm waiting for somebody to call me back the system automatically calls you back when an agent is available so it's not it's not like a hold up and wait kind of thing uh, as soon as somebody's available it automatically makes that phone call for them you'll get a response back fairly quickly but but our agents are i mean they're they're available they're they're there all day long so. i have to say i've met them they are amazing i've heard wonderful things in the community about 311 and uh to piggyback what you said earlier taking the time and and listening to people and and letting them know that you're important and your issue is important and I'm going to help you resolve it and, or get you the resources you need. So thank you to your team for that. That's just phenomenal. Yeah. I'll let them know. I'll let them know. No, that is really phenomenal. I hear that a lot in the community. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very much a proponent of that. Like I'm really like, we're not in a race. Like this is not, you know, trying to figure out what's the quickest way to do this. No, because we've all had that bad service or people have like rushed us off the phone and we felt like nothing's going to happen. Absolutely. And- Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, that's really important to me in this regard, especially because it's a, it's a new initiative with mm-hmm. the city. And I mean, I really do feel a sense of responsibility to the departments that we partner with. Like very few people that call us are calling 311. I mean, the majority right. of people that call us are calling a specific department. And I feel like our level of customer service needs to be a reflection on that department and it needs to reflect well. Another cool thing, a feature about 311 is like, because we cross, you know, department lines, someone could call and have questions about that would fall under two or three different departments. Mm -hmm. And we can answer those questions in one phone call instead of Oh, you need to talk to this person for your zoning question and talk to this person for your trash question. Right. You know, it's like all in one area. And so very time consuming. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have time during the day while they're working to make all these phone calls. Exactly. Yeah. And and then like, you know, you could, you call on your lunch and of course it's somebody else's lunch and maybe right. they're not answering the, you know, and then I can't call for two more lunches. Exactly. Down this, yeah, exactly. And then you get home and that same thing that you have been, you know, trying to figure out is still there nagging at you and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to make sure that folks are getting what they need. And I'm, I am very big on the, on the time thing, you know, take the time, listen to folks. I mean, mm-hmm. we, you know, we want people to feel as though like, you know, whatever issue they had or whatever concern that they had is being addressed. And not only that, but like 
call us back. Like, feel free to call us back if you have another issue, if you have another thing, because we'll be that that finger on the shoulder tapping like, hey, this person needs this thing. You know, we want to help them get it done. And so, um, so you're advocating. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. You're their advocates. That's awesome. And I know that this has been successful in Grand Rapids. Yep. I read an article. I know it's huge in New York. Huge. Huge. They do like 100,000 calls a day. 100,000 calls. It's, yeah. That's it's wow. I mean, th- th- I can't imagine their their, <laughs> like their caliber <laughs> and what all comes in there. We really modeled after and partnered with the Grand Rapids Initiative. And they're a little over 10 years in now that they've been doing it. You know, it's a startup for us. So getting mm-hmm. all the departments on board and, and understanding what we do for them versus like what needs to be escalated. We're, we work through that right now. Grand Rapids is like a well-oiled machine at this point. Like they've already been through those things Mm -hmm. and they've got a good sense of like, here's what we do. Here's, you know, what we don't do. I meet pretty regularly with the the manager in the Grand Rapids. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And not right now. It's really just more or less to sort of like bounce stuff back and forth off of each other. No, what Um, a great resource. Yeah. And and it's been really good working with her and just kind of understanding like how they got to where they are and then trying to like piggyback off of any ideas that they might have or things that they might be doing. It works out really well to just have sort of that roadmap kind of done. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, like, you know, our city does work a little bit different than their city does. And so there are some things that don't totally line up, which is okay. Um, It's, you know, it's good to have our way that we do things. But but just to be able to look back and see, oh, this is what they do. And that's sort of a good platform to start from. And then we build our own to our skill, to what what we feel like we need has been really a cool benefit and a good thing. They also have helped Kalamazoo do theirs and a couple of other areas around the state. Their so it's office, growing. 311 yeah, is growing. Definitely. And there mm-hmm. is a nationwide network of 311s. Not a huge one, mm-hmm. but um, but it is the idea, the concept of like, I don't know who to call mm-hmm. and I shouldn't have to. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like I should just make one phone call and somebody can help me with what I need. One call um, to City Hall? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and, and it really does make sense. And it's a really cool benefit for residents. And mm-hmm. I think it really does make sense from the perspective of like time saving on, on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, the residents are saving time with not having to like wait or figure out or, you know, fuss with directories and who does what and titles and all that jazz. And then on the the city side, you know, on the department side, it's very much like, oh, like if we don't have to take all these incoming calls anymore, we can we can work on that new right. initiative, or we can we can use some resources to you know do some other things. And so I think that it's, it's a win win for everyone. It's a win win, yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. And at the end of the day, I I really enjoy like our success stories and you know the things where we've been able to like really help somebody in a you know not just a situation that isn't a big deal, but people who are really having a hard time at it, you know. Oh. You helped me with a person that was having issues with their pipes yes. in their yard. Yeah. And it was so wonderful. I could call you. You knew what to do. You you contacted the person. You let them know. You gave them the resources. The person had no idea where to go or what to do. So no I can't idea. thank you enough. And they were so grateful. It, it's it's just huge benefit to the city. Yeah. It I, truly I was, is. Yeah. And those, I mean, I really, it, I mean, and as I recall, like that person didn't even know, like if they should call the city. They had no like, idea. Yeah. And yeah. And it's like you and your team are phenomenal. It was. So thank yeah. you so well, much. Yeah. No, thank you for that. I appreciate it. But yeah, that that really for me was it's a really big thing is like this person's been living with this situation for this, you know, this amount of time. And, mm-hmm. and we were able to. And it was a bad situation. It was a so bad situation. Really bad, yeah, so. yeah. And it's like in a matter of hours, we're able to like raise the, the red flag. And I call it like I circle my wagons when I start sending emails out. But um, I really enjoy and I really do like and appreciate the partnerships that I have with the folks in the departments mm-hmm. when I. I ask, you know, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get some attention on this. They have been very receptive to that. And they're like, they, they want to help too. Absolutely. You know, in a lot of instances, I mean, they're they're working. Right. I always liken it to like, 
I'll be, I'll be the finger on the shoulder tapping just to, you know, double check. But when I do sort of a, Hey everybody, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out what to do here. I've gotten really good responses from folks to say, here's what we can do and here's what we can do. And, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like pooling these resources to make sure that, that a person gets what they need. Not only does it help from the sense of like, we're getting something done, but it shows like, Oh wow. Like, I'm a part of the city, you know, as a resident, right. like, you know, they, 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 do, they will look out for me if they know what's happening, if they have somebody advocating, exactly. for them, you know, and I mean, we're I, all a team. It's the Lansing family. That's you know it. That's I mean? it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and I know it, you know, there has been like levels of frustration with people like, I don't know who to call or I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody will get back to me or whatever. And so I really take personal, you know, pride in, in bridging that gap when as I can. You should. Yeah, definitely. As you should. Definitely. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, For those listeners out there, 311, if you want to tell us the hours again. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, anywhere within the city limits from any phone, cell phone, landline, doesn't matter. You dial 311. Um, As long as it's not a 911 call or a 211 for um, family services, if you have something to report or you need help or you just have a general question and you don't know where to go, pick up any phone, dial 311 and one of our agents will be available to help you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to The Land Scene. Music for The Land Scene provided by Joystack. For more information, go to joystack.org. To listen to this episode and others on demand, visit lccconnect.org. If you have a story to share or would like to be a guest on the show, let me know. I'm Lucy, and thanks once again, Capital City. It means so much to me to have the support of our community. This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor's middle school? Would you like directions? No. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Home walk restaurant. Need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, good. Finding best potatoes for French fries. No! Russet. Fingerling, Yukon Gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. Lansing Community College welcomes transfer students. Transfer students may apply transfer credits towards their LCC degree, certificate, or transfer program. Learn more at lcc.edu slash you belong. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Bob Myers from the Historical Society of Michigan with a Michigan History Moment. Wilford Wills scrambled up a vertical ladder in a race with death. 
He was deep underground in the Barnes-Hecker Iron Mine near Ishpeming in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. A column of water tore up the mine shaft behind him. One slip or a few seconds pause to catch his breath meant drowning in the pitch-black icy water. The Cleveland Cliffs Iron Company operated the Barnes-Hecker Mine in the Marquette Iron Range. The mine's day shift of 51 men went underground that morning, led by mine captain William Tippett. William Hill, the Marquette County Mine Inspector, joined the group. Mining the soft hematite ore continued uneventfully that morning. The mine had reached a depth of 1,060 feet, with levels at 600, 800, and 1,000 feet. At 11.20 a.m., Wilford Wills and John Hanna were running a tram locomotive at the 800-foot level. They heard a dynamite blast. An instant later, a blast of air blew out their carbide hat lamps. Wills looked at Hanna and said, I think we'd better get out of here. The dynamite blast had triggered a cave-in and unleashed a torrent of water and sand. Water poured into the 600-foot level. It surged down the mine shafts, trapping most of the miners below. Wills and Hannah groped their way to the vertical shaft and began racing up the ladder. A few men followed them. Behind them, the raging flood knocked them off the ladder to their deaths. Wills' gloved hands kept slipping on the wet, muddy ladder. He tore the gloves off with his teeth and kept climbing. He met three maintenance workers who had mistaken the noise for a broken air hose and started down to investigate. Wills gasped that men were coming up behind them. They saw nothing and headed for the surface. Wilford Wills made it. Half unconscious, he collapsed at the top of the shaft. He had climbed an incredible 800 feet in 14 minutes. Wills was the sole survivor of the 51 miners. Rescuers recovered 10 bodies, including those of mine captain William Tippett and inspector William Hill. The others remained in the mine. The disaster left 42 women widowed and 132 minor children fatherless. Cleveland Cliffs tried to repair the mine, but soon gave up and ordered its men to the surface. 30 minutes after they got out, a plug of debris gave way and flooded the mine shaft again. Today, an obelisk stands on the concrete shaft cap of the Barnes-Hecker Mine as a memorial to the worst mining disaster in Michigan history. This Michigan History Moment is brought to you by michiganhistorymagazine.org. Keep connected with LCC Connect at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The Lansing Community College Massage Clinic is open to the public and provides an opportunity for the students of the massage program to gain valuable client experience. Relaxation massages and therapeutic massages are both available at a nominal fee. Visit lcc.edu slash massage for more information. Hi, I'm Greg Laddick, and I host a show called Stars on Sports with Assistant Athletic Director Stephen Cutter here on LCC Connect. It's all about Lansing Community College Athletic Department. You can always find out more about Stars on Sports and listen on demand at lccconnect.org. Guys, like having a place to live, eating food, wearing clothes, 
Sending 639 texts a week on a shiny new phone? There's one thing that can help you get the money to do all of those things. It's called a job. If you're a guy turning 18, there's one important thing you need to do to make sure the job market is wide open for you. Register with the Selective Service System at SSS.gov. Failing to register with Selective Service would mean you'd not only be breaking the law, you'd also be unable to apply for federal jobs, many state and municipal jobs, and all kinds of job training programs the government offers. So guys, take a minute and register with the Selective Service. You'll keep your job prospects open. Otherwise, how are you going to get the basketball shoes with full-length responsive cushioning and an outsole cutout for low-profile impact protection? Take that minute. Go to sss.gov and register with Selective Service and keep all your options open. Remember, it's quick, it's easy, it's the law. Lansing Community College's Business and Community Institute provides businesses with customized synergistic trainings that realize logistical opportunity. Learn more about the future of business today at lcc.edu slash bci. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Melissa Ford Locken. Rosalie Petrowski. Susan, Seraph, and Jess. Editors for the Washington Square Review. Washington Square On Air showcases the poetry and fiction of the latest edition of LCC's literary journal, The Washington Square Review, read by the poets, authors, and editors themselves. Expect the unexpected as our contributors express experience and fantasy with humor, imagination, poetic license, irony, and passion. If you love language at its most original, please join us in our audio town square to celebrate a community of writers spanning from around the world to to Lansing. Lansing. Hello, I'm Susan Serafin Jess. I am the poetry editor of Washington Square Review, which is the English Department um, literary publication for Lansing Community College. And we have begun doing a series of interviews with the poets and authors who we've selected to appear in our journal. And we haven't published the 2023 volume yet. We've accepted all of the contributors, but we still it's still in production. However, we wanted to get started in interviewing so that uh, our listeners could experience some of the, the wonderful poetry that is, is to come. So the first person I selected is a poet named J.C. Riley, and I love her poetry. I love it so much that I copied it in cursive, which is what I do when I want to, um, I want to kind of feel and absorb the poetry. And when I asked her for her bio, I was amazed. And I'm going to read what she sent me, and then I'll ask her a few questions about it. So she is the author of four books, including What Magic May Not Alter, and that is magic spelled with a K. And it is a Southern Gothic novel, but it's not just a Southern Gothic novel. It's a Southern Gothic novel in verse. And most recently, she's written a book called Amo y Canto, which is winner of the Sow's Ear Poetry Prize, which I guess that makes your book a silk purse if it's a Sow's Ear <laughs> Prize. Um, now here, I, I don't want to be you know too gushy, but my goodness, you have been nominated for a Pushcart Prize and a Pulitzer Prize. I don't think I've ever met 
anybody who is nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. So we're going to put a pin on that and come back to it. Um, <laughs> you're And Georgia Author of the Year. You are the managing editor of the Atlanta Review, and you crochet, you play tennis, and you practice Italian, all in Marietta, Georgia. But right now, you're at a writer's colony in Tennessee. So um, tell me a little bit about the Pulitzer Prize, and then we'll move on to some other questions. <laughs> um, don't get too excited about the Pulitzer Prize. I am excited. <laughs> well, I mean... You can nominate anything for a Pulitzer. I'm happy it was nominated, but, you know, you could probably nominate a hot dog for it. Well, I doubt that. Uh, <laughs> so what, which work was it that was nominated for the, the Pulitzer? It was nominated uh, for What Magic May Not Alter, okay. my, my whole collection. Okay. All right. And is that available on Amazon? It is available on Amazon. And please go buy it. <laughs> I will buy it. I intend to. I also I also have some books on sale on Amazon, and I have a couple of friends who will do no business with Amazon whatsoever. They feel like it's the evil empire, and I get that. But my books are mostly self-published, and for those of us who self-publish, it's a really good deal because all they do is they, they print one at a time. Back in the day, if you were self-published, you'd end up with a basement full of books that you could, couldn't unload or sell. So, so that's a pretty good deal. Um, so you're practicing Italian, and I noticed that your one of your novels has an Italian title, Amo e Canto. And so why are you learning Italian? Is it a love of opera? Are you going to Italy? A few years ago, I went to Italy, and I had no knowledge of the language. And... <laughs> That is just a really bad idea to go somewhere where you do not speak the language. I, I had somebody I was going with who did, but she wasn't always around. Um, but I fell in love with Venice. And Amoe Canto is from a quote uh, from Joseph Brodsky. You know, I just wrote about my travels in Venice. I just loved Venice so much that um, I wrote that book. And is that book also available on Amazon? So South Air Poetry Press published it as part of their journal, but they've gone out of business. Oh, dear. So they put, I, I can absolutely send you a copy if you're interested. I'm very interested. Uh, I, uh, I'll send you a copy. I, I have you. a bunch of them um, that I've been trying to uh, give away. <laughs> well, you, yeah. can, you can give one to me. I would, I would love I that. I would give one to you. So, okay. Um, well, no, right now you're at a, at a writer's colony in Tennessee. Tell me a little bit about that. Who's there? How many people are there? What is your day like? It's wonderful. It's in the middle of the Tennessee hills, and it's a big farm. It's called Rockville Writer's Colony, and they have a lot of free time. It's, it's not structured time, but you can just write and read, and you can interact with the other colony uh, people here too. Um, usually you see them in, in, in the kitchen um, or walking around. My typical day is I try to read in the morning and I try to write in the afternoon and then I just goof off for the evening. <laughs> we'll allow it. You can goof off in the evening. Our listeners won't be able to see it, but I'm looking at the room you're in and it looks like there's a four poster bed with a canopy and a fireplace and everything is painted white it, it looks lovely 
It is. It's, you can't really see, but it, I call it my princess bed because I feel like a princess when I'm in it because <laughs> it's so big. And it has these beautiful white uh, drapes on it. Yeah. And the room is, is really, it's comfortable. And I'm sitting at um, this wonderful antique desk that has all these little drawers and drawer poles. And um, it's a great place to write. It sounds like, and what a wonderful opportunity to be able to immerse yourself in your writing, which is what all writers long to do. And we don't always have the time to do it, especially when we have day jobs, especially now I'm going to be a little bitter here when you're teaching people to write essays and you spend all your time reading their essays. So, all right. Well, I'm glad you're having that opportunity and I'm sure that you're writing beautiful poetry. So speaking of your poetry, I wonder if you would, um, read some poems to us. And you sent us five poems, and at least three of them are populated with animals in intriguing ways. So I, I don't know if we'll have time for all three, but I selected How the Heart Works, which has morning doves, and Lavender Harvest, which has wild horses and bees, and if time permits, Existential, which has a blue wolf of despair. So I wonder if you, if we could begin with you reading How the Heart Works, please. I'd love to. Thank you. How the Heart Works. Inside my heart lives a morning dove cooing, cooing. Where is my mate? Will he come for me? My mate roosts in another's heart. Will he call to me? This is all mad dreaming, sudden as a lake. This is all mad dreaming. One time at Sadding Lake, I urged my dove to fly far and leave me, and I died. It was to save the bird that I urged her to leave. I died until she flew back, pity in her eyes like copper coins. She resettled herself in chambers, pity like copper coins turning blood to snow. Still my mate, he does not come. My blood turns to snow, and still he does not come for me. A nest is lined with feathers and ice. I prepare for his arrival. A nest lined with feathers like ice. Inside my heart is a morning dove sighing, sighing. You know, morning doves are kind of irresistible symbols for poets, I think. They are beautiful, and there's that word morning with a U, which is, you know, enables us to write a poem about some sadness or some grief. So I wondered if you could tell me about the genesis of this poem, how the idea came to you and, and so forth. So most of my poems tend to be narrative. And this poem is, is sort of narrative-esque. Um, but I, I love morning doves. I, you know, poets and birds, they just, we can't help ourselves. But I, I sort of have always thought about morning doves as, as being special and being connected to them in an interesting way. And as I was saying, I, you know, I, I tend to write narrative poems. The form of how the heart works is actually based sort of on Jericho Brown's duplex form, um, except I use it more to, to write a narrative. And if you don't know what a duplex is, it's kind of like an exploded sonnet mixed with a guzzle. So it uses repetition. It, it, it's 14 lines. But I guess how it came to me was I wanted to write a poem about doves and love. So 
that's kind of its genesis. Well, um, I had not heard of that form. I was pretty sure that there was some kind of form working here that I was not aware of, um, because there because of the the looping repetition and the and the recursion. I knew that there were you were working with some kind of framework, and I love it because it reminds me of why I love Shakespeare's sonnets, for example. How within this tight form, you can say so much. There can be so much emotion, even though it, you would think that it's restrictive. But somehow, paradoxically, it is freeing. So um, I also love morning doves and get very angry when periodically some people in the Michigan legislature want to make it so that you can hunt morning doves. I don't know why any, I don't know why anybody would want to do that. Uh, I also love watching birds. And yesterday I was watching uh, a male cardinal feed his gal. <laughs> He just kept taking seed from the feeder and feeding her. They're obviously in the courtship stage. Um, here's a question. It's probably a silly question. Is there such a place as Sadding Lake, or is that just a repetition of the sound, sudden as a lake? It was, I made it up. You made it up. Yeah, it's definitely for the sound. We call that poetic license, and it's just fine. Yeah. Right. Well, I love the way that you play with sound because I like to do that too. In fact, sometimes if, if a poem seems too uh, too prosy for me, I'll start playing with sounds and repeating sounds, which, which you do uh, beautifully. Thank you. Uh, I also, one thing I noticed was, is that this is this dove who who has flown away as an errant morning dove because they usually mate for life. So this is a, this one is an anomaly. Um, okay. Yeah. And I also wondered, have you read uh, John Keats's poem called Song? I might have way back in the day when I was an English major. But offhand, I, I'm also terrible at memory, so I might have. Yeah, well, memory only gets harder, and I'm approaching a birth. I'm approaching a birthday. I'm not happy about approaching. Uh, there was a time, I think about thirty years ago, when one summer I decided every day I would sit outside in the sun and memorize a sonnet, and I did. And I can, I can maybe remember three of them now, and and not very well. So memory is is a struggle. But I'm just going to read this poem really quickly. Because your poem, I, I think it, I was about to say dovetails, which is a, a pod. So this is called Song by John Keats. I had a dove and the sweet dove died, and I have thought it died of grieving. Oh, what could it grieve for? It was tied with a silken thread of my own hands weaving. Sweet little red feet, why did you die? Why would you leave me, sweet dove? Why? You lived alone in the forest tree. Why, pretty thing, could you not live with me? I kissed you oft and gave you white peas. Why not live sweetly as in the green trees? Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. And your poem is, it's, it's a different situation. This poem by John Keats is about, it sounds to me like somebody who's been, been a captive or controlled. Whereas in your poem, it's the person who's been left behind, who is waiting for a dove to return. So it's a sad poem. But the next poem that I'm going to ask you to read, and this is one thing I admire about your poetry, is that you, you can shift mood. And the next poem 
is Lavender Harvest. If you would read that for us, please. Yes, Lavender Harvest. Oh, that our garden is awash with lavender. The scent runs like wild horses. I breathe it everywhere. Like wild horses, the scent tramples me. I smell them everywhere, these spike flowers. My senses full and dizzy, my palms purpling. My senses grow full and dizzy as I handle buds, palms purpling. I'll set them in jelly jars with water, dry the rest for sachets. I'll set them in jelly jars in the window and sachet from bunch to bunch, like a honeybee nosing pollen. Bunch to bunch I'll switch, like a honeybee nosing pollen to fix bouquets to surprise you, cheer up our little house. So little surprises you these days, cheer up. Our little house will look like a walk through Provence and we can love under a counterpane of Provence's blooms. We can love. Oh, how our garden is awash with lavender. Mm. I love it. It comes full circle. Oh, that our garden is awash with lavender and ends. Oh, how our garden is awash with lavender. And this is such a, a shift in mood um, from the previous poem. This poem to me is full of joy, even ecstasy, really. I mean, you're talking about feeling dizzy. And when you say that the wild horses trample me, I'm not getting the feeling that that's a a deadly thing. It's more like being ravished by the wild horses of, of the senses. Um, and then you shift to, you start addressing somebody called you uh, in the fifth line, or fifth stanza, I guess it is. And you say, so little surprises you these days. And it makes me feel as though there's somebody whom you want to see also ravished by all this, all this lavender and, and all these senses. So these are gifts that you're putting in, in the jelly jars to give to this person. Right. Yeah. Um, I often will talk to a you. I don't know who that you is, but I think I was trying to, trying to bring, you know, a lavender is something else I love, and trying to bring it to the reader as well as the the you of the poet's imagination. And I do, I do think that the horses are a kind of ravishing um, experience, um, but not, not a trampling in the bad, <laughs> not the trampling in the bad sense at all. No, it's, it, it is, um, I didn't get, I didn't feel that way. I felt as though the person, it's like the word awash, you know, when something washes over you and you're, you're overcome with, with ecstasy or with joy. And yes, I also felt as though you were presenting me, the reader, with, with all this lavender. And I, I guess I have to ask, do you grow lavender? I, I wish I did. Um, I have a black thumb and can grow nothing. So if I had a garden that I wouldn't kill, I would definitely grow lots of lavender. And also, you know, this is actually part of the project that I'm working on now. And lavender is a theme throughout. So this stands alone itself, but it's also part of a it's part of a collection. Part of a collection that is about lavender or uses the word lavender or how it so? Uses lavender. It's 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 um it's my current collection, um, and lavender is a theme. But I also just love lavender and, and wish 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 I could grow it. 
Oh, you needn't apologize. I knew there was something else we had in common. <laughs> I'm I'm no gardener either. In fact, I, I'm amazed how many people do garden because to me it seems like a very difficult thing to do. I also really don't like spiders, and so anything that bring, <laughs> anything that brings me in proximity with spiders is not my favorite pastime. But I do I do wistfully admire other people with gardens. I'm kind of lucky because. I rent, and the house that I moved into already there was a, a lilac bush and a rose of Sharon bush, and some daffodils come up, and violets and periwinkle are already in the yard. So there's a lot that's just kind of running riot that doesn't need any tending. So I still have something to look at. It's wonderful. Uh, my yard, I've planted things that do not last. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a murderous plant. Person. Oh dear. Well. Perhaps perhaps you could write a, a book of poetry about the various plants that you've murdered. What which makes me wonder, have you ever have you ever um been tempted to write you've you've written Southern Gothic. Is there ever murder in your novels? Your novel in verse? Yes, there's a big murder in there. Um and actually I had sent the when I was trying to get blurb for that book, I had sent it to a poet that I, I thought, you know, was interested in place and he could read no more. Uh, it was too graphic. It was too gory. I guess it is, but it was all sort of in the context of magic. And so I, I was surprised when she said no more. I, I don't know that I have a, a big, appetite for murder in my writing, but there's certainly one there. And actually, the collection I'm working on now, also, there's a murder. So it must just be part of my thinking. Well, uh, I have written a book of nonfiction. It's called Wild Horses. Speaking of wild horses, a, a crime revisited. And it's about a, something that happened when I was a teenager. And um, well, we won't get off on that. But uh, wasn't it wasn't murder it was self-defense that's all I'll say for now okay well I think we do have time to read the third poem existential would you read that for us please I'd love to existential I keep the blue wolf of despair on my shelf he sings off tune at night when I braid my hair he sings off tune or whines as I braid my hair he creeps down from the shelf and walks the stairs, unlike a rake. Toenails tap against the floor. He stares at me when he re-enters the room, waiting to be tossed a bone of memory. But if I toss that bone, his feral side awakens and I pale. His feral side brings teeth and growling and I pale. Hopelessness can tear through me like jaws. Tonight, I scratch behind his ears and at his jaw and wait quietly, and he waits quietly, thumping his tail. A pet or two, I bring him to his perch, so endeth the tale. I keep the blue wolf of despair on the shelf. You have tamed the blue wolf of despair, and I was so greedy to hear your poetry that we have run out of time, but I thank you so much for sharing the poetry with you, and I know that our listeners will love them as much as I do. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. 
Thank you for listening to our talented poets and authors. Until next time, this has been Washington Square On Air. Where we showcase selections from Lansing Community College's literary journal, The Washington Square Review. A publication featuring writers from the Great Lakes State, across the nation, and around the world. To find out more about the Washington Square Review, visit lcc.edu slash WSR. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing. This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.